Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Good morning, my name is Anna, and today's scripture is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 16. When I finish reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord. Please respond with thanks be to God. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believe—excuse me but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along in a Bible, uh, we have some in the back. If you want to slip your hand up, we'll we'll get one to you really quickly. Uh, We have folks to hand those out. Yes, I have a mustache. Um, Just need to get that out front. Ever since I saw the new... Um, Top Gun movie. I just have been trying to figure out how I can do this, how I can grow a mustache. So I did. Maybe I just needed to get it out of my system. I don't know. I may keep it. We'll see. Um, I love this passage. This is a uh, this is a packed passage of scripture. We're going to work through it uh, pretty methodically. Uh, that's going to be how, how this, this sermon goes. It's going to be kind of working a verse at a time. Um, so I hope that you'll follow along in your Bible. If you're not there yet, open up there to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, let, me, let me pray for us before we dive into it. Father in heaven, you are high and lifted up and holy, and majestic, and wise, powerful, and kind, and faithful in all your works. And God, we do just pause to acknowledge all these things, and that you are worthy of our lives, worthy of of our entire lives. Every sphere, every part of our lives, there's nothing that, that, that we should hold back from you, God. Um, And so we just pause to say that we worship you and that uh, we want our lives to bring greater honor and glory to you. So may this sermon be used by you 
to that end. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have a saying in our culture, the opportunity of a lifetime. Maybe you've used that saying before to, to talk about uh, a job offer or a scholarship uh, or a date with that, that person that you wanted to go out with or um, a game, a special game that you got to go watch or a concert, an opportunity of a lifetime. I want you to consider this morning as we get started that we have all been given the opportunity of a lifetime, and what I mean is that your lifetime is an opportunity, that every minute, every hour, every day, every week is an opportunity to live life as God intended it to be lived. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus offers to every one of us an abundant life. And, and there's a lot wrapped up in that abundant life. But among other things, it is a life lived with eternal purpose, that when you get to the end of your life, it is possible if you live according to his way, if you live in relationship with him and the way that his word describes, then you can get to the end of your life and look back and say, this was the life I was meant to live. That's the abundant life, a life with purpose. It's a life in relationship with Him. We're all given the opportunity to use this life that we've been given for the advancement of God's eternal kingdom. We've all been given that opportunity. Every single day, every single week is that opportunity, the opportunity to live the way that life was meant to be lived. In this passage in uh, verse 15, it says, practice these things, Paul telling Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. That, that little phrase, so that all may see your progress, has been, actually has been an encouragement to me this entire year. Um, back in early, early this year, my, my best buddy, Ben Whittinghill, some of you have heard him preach here, he's a pastor, church planter uh, in Vermont. He's, he, he pointed this, this verse out and the way that it was challenging him, and it struck me. And I hope, that it's, I hope that it will strike you this morning in a similar way. And, and the reason that it struck me was I had to ask the question, not just can I see my progress in my spiritual life, but can others can others, the people that I'm living life with, can they look on and say, I see progress. I see spiritual growth in, in you as, as a husband. I see spiritual growth in you as a father. I see spiritual growth in you 
as a son, as a brother, as a pastor. And I just, I've been so challenged by that. And I think it's meant to challenge us this way. I think the Holy Spirit through Paul spoke these words so that it would challenge us, so that we could ask ourselves that same question. Is my life, is my life progressing? Can, can, can others look on and see that I am not where I was in my walk with Jesus a year ago, two years ago, five years ago? Am I progressing in such a way that others can see it? Commentator uh, David Guzik said about this verse, Timothy was encouraged to give it his all, to put forth maximum effort, and by doing so, his progress would be evident to all. Often progress is not evident because we do not give ourselves entirely to the pursuit of God and His will. Often we fall short of all we can be for God because we are passive in our Christian life. We simply do not give ourselves entirely. Let me say those last two lines again. Often we fall short of all we can be for God because we are passive in our Christian life. We simply do not give ourselves entirely. We're frequently too passive in our spiritual lives, aren't we? And if you're not currently feeling that, uh, you have. We, we go through these, these seasons of passivity. If you are in one today, the sermon is for you. We frequently give ourselves completely to other things, our, our careers, our, our pleasures, our vacations, our hobbies, our health, our finances, other things, but we fail to give ourselves wholeheartedly and completely to spiritual growth. So this passage is going to address that. How, how can we how can we do this? How, where, what are some handles for us to grab onto if we've been passive in our spiritual life? So I have a simple outline. We're going to look at three, three ways that we can do this. This is, let me just say this. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, a young pastor, his protege, and, and he's encouraging him specifically in his context as a pastor, but all of this is going to apply to us today. So uh, you'll see what I mean. Let's, let's jump into it. Verse or Point number one, if you're a note taker, we need to strive for progress through training. Strive for progress through training. Look down at verse six. He says, second half of that, um, being trained in the words of the faith, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Your training requires learning. Trained in the words of 
the faith. Your training requires that you learn, that you accept that, that you embrace that, that you decide to enjoy that. This is what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. It is to learn, to, to grow. A disciple is a student. Did you know that? Your spiritual growth depends upon it. Jesus prayed and he said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. There is no sanctification where there is no word. You must, you must learn the word, study the word, know the word in order to grow in sanctification. Your training involves the words of faith, good doctrine, learning. And so the first thing that we need to do in order to break out of spiritual passivity is accept the fact that our progress requires that we learn. And if you don't like to learn, you must learn to like it. It, it requires this. And most of the time when we are um, put off by this, we say we don't like to learn. And, and obviously there are some of us who are more bookish than others, and I'm not saying that we all are going to enjoy study to the same degree. But most of the time we have something in our lives that we are learning about. Something that we're passionate about, something that we're studying, something that we're researching, right? Amen. Yeah. yeah? And yet, we can leave our Bible sitting on the nightstand all week long until next Sunday and not pick it up and say, I'm just not a big reader. And, but we're reading the news or, or whatever our, our passion is. So we need to accept that learning is necessary for progress, and we need to, if you haven't developed a daily quiet time, this is where I would start. If, you, if you're not doing this yet, I would start right here. We call it a quiet time. It's a time to sit down with God, open His Word, and let Him speak to you, and you speak to Him in prayer. This is so crucial for your growth, for your maturity, for your daily walk with Christ. You need to hear from Him in His Word. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Right? Amen. That's our memory verse this week. I hope you got it. It's a powerful, powerful Word. And so we need to give ourselves to it. So our training requires learning. Our training requires focus. Look at what he says in verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Have nothing to do with irreverent. I think in the, uh, the, the old King James, it says something like wives' tales, old wives' tales. Um, maybe you're having a quiet time, but you, but you have a tendency to get caught up in... Myths. Um, there are sometimes we get drawn away into the kind of teaching that says there's this new understanding. I have this deeper revelation. Listen, good Bible teachers will, will basically just bring you back to the gospel over and over and over again. 
If it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Charles Spurgeon said that, I mean. If you are drawn away into that you know, internet prophecies and end time predictions, and uh, there are so many distractions out there that pull us away from the simple gospel that transforms our lives. And, and we need focus in order to grow. And so, so what, what are the things that are distracting you in life? What, what's distracting you from the gospel, from the, the plain teaching of the Word of God? We've got to remove those distractions if we're going to grow. Look at the second half of verse 7 with me. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. Focus in on those words. Train yourself. So your training requires intentionality on your part. You've got to own your training. Train yourself. So what that means is that your training isn't dependent on someone else, on, on your pastor or your favorite teacher or your favorite author or your community group leader or your D group leader or your spouse or anybody but you. You've got to train yourself. Train yourself for godliness. You've got to own this. Pastor and author David Mathis said, God chose you apart from you, and he called you apart from you, but he does not keep you apart from you. We believe that God's sovereign over all things, and he's sovereign over our salvation. And in his sovereignty, he has ordained that we have a very crucial role to play in our Christian lives. Right? We have got to own it. Train yourself for godliness. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Your training parallels with physical training. Um, when, when it talks about training yourself, um, some translations will say exercise yourself for godliness. It, Paul, this is not the only time where Paul uh, brings in this, this idea of athletic training or physical training to teach us something about spiritual training. He does the same thing in 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, where essentially he says, if an athlete exercises self-control in every area of their life in order to win in their sport, shouldn't we as Christians exercise self-control in every area of our lives in order to win an eternal reward? So, so there, there's something that to be learned for Christians. There's something for us to learn 
from physical training, from athletic training, what, what can we learn? I want to just point out a few things that I think are parallels. Let's consider, how, how does someone train athletically? How, do they tra- how does someone train their body? And I would, I would give you four, four ways. One is through self-denial. Self-denial. That, it, I've, I love watching uh, documentaries on, like, Olympians. I've seen a, a couple of them. They're incredible. It's amazing to look at how ordered and disciplined their lives are for the sake of their sport. And I think Paul, in, in that passage in 1 Corinthians 9, I think he saw that and he went, wow, what if Christians pursued godliness with the same kind of intensity and they're doing it for a sport. What, what if we did the same? Self-denial. You'll see in these, as you look at these athletes, they deny themselves all kinds of, of pleasures, all kinds of uh, foods, right? Of, of time with friends even. They deny themselves all kinds of things for the sake of getting a little bit better. A little bit better. Self-denial is so crucial, so important. I think uh, generations of Christians before us have been so much better at this than us. Uh, This is a weak spot for modern Christians in in the West because we're not good at self-denial. Secondly, fuel. What, What they put in their body affects their training, and so they're mindful of every bite, every vitamin, every mineral, right? There's a saying, I've heard it multiple times, so it must be true, that uh, 70% of, of your results in physical training are based on your diet. I've heard it over and over and over again, 70%, only 30% is actual the, what you do physically to train. If that's really true, I think, well, I think it's got some real parallels in the spiritual life, right? What are you feeding your soul? What are you letting in your eye gate and your ear gate? What, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you chewing on? What, what is it that you're processing day in and day out, week in and week out? What are you, what fuel are you putting in your soul? That's going to greatly affect the kind of person you're becoming. What are you focusing on? So self-denial, fuel. Third is exertion. Every athlete knows you you will not grow unless you push yourself, right? A, a, A marathon runner can't just go out and, and jog two or three miles and then expect to do well in a marathon, right? Um, we've got to, it, without pushing yourself, there's no growth. And I think the same applies spiritually. I think sometimes we're, we're far more willing to push ourselves in other ways than we are willing to push ourselves spiritually, let, let, ask yourself this question. When was the last time I intentionally pushed myself a little bit spiritually for the sake of my growth? Like, 
I, I, I committed to, uh, to read the Bible through in a year. I just committed and I did it and it was hard. Or, or to read a book that I wouldn't normally have pushed myself to read because I knew it would, it would help me to grow. Or I joined a community group even though I feel like that'd be tough to do. Or a D group or... I committed to be at church every Sunday because I know that's what is best for my spiritual growth. When was the last time you challenged yourself and pushed yourself a little bit for spiritual growth? Exertion. It's necessary for growth. Finally, consistency. Right? Consistency. You can get in there. You can, you can push yourself as hard as you want, but if you're only going to the gym or going on a run or whatever it is once a month, are you going to see any real progress? No. We know that there's a rule that consistency is necessary for growth in physical athletics. So the same is also true spiritually. Maybe for you, this is where you need to commit. You, need to, you say, I, just, I need consistency. I'm just inconsistent in the Word. Or I'm just inconsistent in prayer. I'm just inconsistent in church or whatever it is. So, which of these areas do you need to work on? Self-denial, fuel, exertion, or consistency? Look at verse 10. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Right here in this one verse, what you have toil and striving. You've got this hard work, and then you've got because of the gospel. <laughs> and and for, for many of us, we think that these things are in competition with each other. The grace of God given to us and my hard work. They're not. They're not. Don't believe the lie that because you are saved by grace apart from your works, that that means that you coast through life without working. Here's the way that Dallas Willard put it. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. You cannot earn the grace of God. It is a free gift for those who believe. And when you have received the grace of God through faith, then... The right response is the giving of your whole self. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. The Apostle Paul would certainly agree with Dallas Willard. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Look at this. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Grace, grace, hard work, grace. That's how Paul thinks. He is, he's, it's clear that it's, it's God's grace in him that's allowing him to Put forth the effort that he is putting forth to see the kingdom of God grow in his own life and in the lives of others. So we work hard. We, we toil and strive in our training to see godliness grow in us. 
So that's the first point, and it's the longest one. Second point, strive for progress in your example. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So Paul is is telling this young pastor, he's probably about 30 years old, they think. Um, he's, He's telling him, You know, some people may look at you and think you're not old enough to, to, to lead them. Well, don't just argue with them. Live your life in such a way that, that someone would look at your life and say, okay, that's, that's how I want to live. This, this is for a, a young pastor, but this is for all of us. Is your life, I want you to ask yourself this question, is your life, Worthy of imitation. If someone were were able to follow you around, and not just parts of your life, but all of your life, if somebody were to follow you around and look at all of your life, all of your habits, would they say, that is the way to live? And if I were to live that way, it it would help me to grow closer to Christ. In other words, I want you to ask yourself this. Does every area of my life reflecting the grace of God that's been given to me through Jesus? Paul knew that our lives preach louder than our sermons. So when he tells Timothy to set an example for the believers, he's not, he's not just telling Timothy to do something because he's young. He, he's telling him what his practice was. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17. He says to the church there in Corinth, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child on the Lord. In other words, be imitators of me. I sent you Timothy because he imitates me. See this? That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child on the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. There's several things we can pick up right here. If he teaches them everywhere he goes, and if Timothy is able to go and remind them, then these things are consistent. These ways in Christ that he's talking about, right? These things are consistent. He he has, this is what I believe he's saying here. Paul's saying, I have thought through all of my life and my habits and patterns, my ways of living are intentional. They're, my ways in Christ, I have, I have baptized all, all the things in my life into Christ. I've said all of it needs to honor and glorify Christ. So the way that I talk, the way that I conduct myself at work, with my friends, with my family, the way that I love people, my faith, the way that I, the way that I trust the Lord when, when it's harder to trust Him, my purity, my, my motivations, my thoughts, my private life, 
all of it is worthy of imitation. So let, let me ask you this. Is your life, every area of your life, is it worthy of imitation? And could someone look at every area, speech, conduct, faith, love, purity, could, could someone look at all of that and say, I see progress? Not, not perfection, progress. I, I see that you're growing. Your speech is more glorifying and honoring to the Lord than it was. Your conduct, it's more glorifying and honoring to the Lord than it was. I see growth. What habits? Let me ask you this. So you, a question for reflection on this. What habits in your daily or weekly life need to change? You, you, you and I, our character is essentially the sum of our habits. Is it not? What are, you, what are your daily and weekly habits look like? And what of those habits needs to change in order for you to be able to say to another believer, imitate me and you'll grow closer to Christ? Thirdly, third point here, third and last point, strive for progress in your spiritual giftedness. Now, Paul's going to encourage Timothy uh, to strive for progress in his particular calling. Look at verses 13 through 15. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. So, what are spiritual gifts or spiritual giftedness? It's, there, there are many things that the Bible lists, but I believe there are many things that the Bible does not list that are spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are um, the ways that the Holy Spirit gives to you as an individual to edify, to build up the body of Christ. And every, I believe every single person has ways, giftings, that the Holy Spirit wants to use you in order to contribute to the work of the church, to, to build up the body of Christ. Uh, a few of these that are listed in Scripture, Romans 12 has a list, 1 Corinthians 12 has a list. Um, encouragement is a gifting, is, is a spiritual gifting. You just you speak, that's a powerful gift. Giving, generosity, leadership, mercy, uh, prophetic words, serving, serving the church, teaching. Administration is spiritual gifting. Um, apostleship, meaning like going and starting new things. Um, discernment, faith, healings, helps. Words of knowledge given by the Holy Spirit, miracles, Tongues, tongues, interpretation, and wisdom. We're not getting into all of these. We don't have time to, but I wanted you to see. There, there are so many ways. And then, and then other ways. Your spiritual gift may be working with kids and, and serving kids. Your spiritual gift may be hospitality. You may be a welcoming person, and you, you help people feel 
welcome and, and feel comfortable and feel at home opening your home. Um, look at the passage again. Look at verse 14. Do not neglect the gift you have. And, and he says it was given to him by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on him. So a couple things I want to point out here. Spiritual gifts or giftings are God-given. This is not just your natural abilities. This is something that God gives to you for the sake of His church. This was given to Him in a moment of prayer, confirmed through prophecy. I think that spiritual gifts are given um, for a particular time, for a particular ministry. I don't think that it's like a one-time thing. I got the, well, I, you know, back in 89, I was given the gift of whatever, and now I just still have that. No, I don't think it works that way. I think the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given for particular times and for needs, particular callings. And another thing I want us to see here is that um, the spiritual gifts are confirmed by the church. That's what happened here for Timothy. It was in a prayer meeting, basically. There was a spiritual gift confirmed by the elders. So what if you don't know your spiritual gifts? You want to know the ways that God has gifted you to build up the, the body. Um, I would encourage you to serve in the church. I think Timothy was already serving in the church. It's said in Acts 16:2, before Paul recruits him, it says, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So in two different places, he's already got a good reputation in the church. How did that happen? I think he was serving. I, I think he was already giving himself to build up the body before this happened when he's in a prayer meeting and, and a prophetic word comes, probably saying that he's going to be a pastor and a teacher. So if you don't know the ways that God want, it has gifted you for the church, then serve. That's the point of the spiritual gifts anyways, right? The, the whole point, it isn't for you. It's not to fulfill something in you. It's for the church. And so if, if you're not willing to serve, then you're certainly not going to be using any spiritual gift for the church. So I would say if you don't know the ways that you're specifically gifted that's going to contribute to the church, then get Get involved. Serve. And then I want to I point this out as well, um, that I think I need to encourage you, church, to encourage those who are using their spiritual gifts. I think this is so important. So when you see a person contributing to the work, right, and they are week in and week out, they're, they're making coffee or they're greeting or they're, they're teaching kids back here or they're teaching or they're opening their home or they're, or they're meeting with people and they're, teach, and they're opening the word with people or they're, they're leading community group. Whatever it is that you see that people are doing in the church and they're giving themselves to build up this church, then you need to encourage them. Who, who in here knows it feels pretty good to have somebody say, hey, I see what you're doing. And it's good. And keep doing it. I see the hard work you're putting. I see the sacrifice. And it's worth it. So keep doing it. Anybody here like it when somebody does that for you? 
So let's do that. Let's, let's create that kind of a culture here, a culture of encouragement. That's the first spiritual gift, encouragement. So affirm your brothers and sisters in their gifts. And the last thing I want to point out here, he says, don't neglect the gift you have. Unused gifts are, it's tragic when we just leave our God-given gifts for the church on the floor. We don't pick them up. We don't use them. Use them. Don't neglect them. And then, and then he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. In other words, you're, we need to cultivate our spiritual gifts. Just because it's given to us by the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that it's perfect. Right? Right? So we still have work to do on our end to cultivate it. I think God's given me a gift to preach. I, am, I have got a long way to go in preaching. There is a lot of progress needs to happen in my, spiritual, in my preaching, right? Same for every spiritual gift. Whether it's encouragement or hospitality or serving or mercy or evangelism, Every single spiritual gift can be cultivated by us immersing ourselves, practicing our spiritual gift. All right, let me wrap this up. Look at verse 16. Keep close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you'll save yourself and your hearers. Um, here's what Paul is getting at as he says this to, to Timothy, and he says this elsewhere. He says this in Acts chapter 20 to the Ephesian elders that the first thing they need to do is keep a close watch on their own souls. Listen, I mean, I, I'm out of time here, but listen, the, the biggest, the greatest danger to this church is not out there. The greatest danger to this church is right here and right here. It's all of us. I've just been reading through the Old Testament, Saul, King Saul. His greatest danger was not the Philistines. That's the Philistines were his, were his out there enemy that he, was, that he was all caught up in focusing on. His greatest enemy was inside. David, King David, his greatest enemy was himself. And the same is true for the church today. The greatest enemy, the greatest threat to the church is our own unchecked sin. It's the greatest threat to the church today is that we don't closely watch our own souls. So how do we do that? Just, just quickly, keep a close watch. That means look for the early stages of your sliding away. That means that look for when your joy starts to wane. Look for when your, your habits start to change. Look for the ways that this begins to show up in frustration in your life. Look, look at when you lose your peace. Pay attention to those early symptoms. That's how you keep a close watch on your soul. Don't wait until there's some gross sin in your life, some, some huge sin in your life that's just tearing you apart. No, keep a close watch on your soul. 
and put sin to death quickly. Run back to Christ. Run back to the cross regularly. And you will save both yourself and your hearers. In other words, what he's saying is not that you earn your salvation, but that you've got to, if your faith is genuine, if our faith is genuine, we will get to the end of the race with our faith still intact. It's the teaching of the Scriptures. We have been called apart from ourselves, justified apart from ourselves, but we are not trained apart from ourselves. We, we, we are not kept apart from ourselves. We get to the end by persisting in this, by keeping a close watch on ourselves, by toiling and striving for progress in godliness, not because that's something apart from grace, but because that is evidence of the grace of God at work in your life. May that be true for our church. Let's pray. Father, God, we want, I pray that we want this, Lord. If we don't, then do that work first. Put this desire in us that we would long to see progress, spiritual progress. Oh, God, if we are to the point, if we have drifted such that we do not even care if we are seeing progress, oh, God, wake us up before it's too late. But, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would leave here today with a, a burning desire to see progress in every area of our lives and that we would give ourselves completely to that end. Not for our glory, not so that we can earn our salvation or earn our acceptance, but because you have saved us, because we have our hope fixed on the living God who is the Savior of all particularly of those who believe the gospel. Help us to believe this gospel wholeheartedly and to train ourselves for godliness. In Jesus' name, amen.